Life is full of stresses, and very few life events can quite measure up to the stresses of a wedding. They're expensive, time-consuming, and rife with complicated social politics and family dynamics. Emotions run high during wedding times, but even with all these stress and anxiety-filled moments, the most important thing to remember is, it's all in the name of love. At least it is for the bride and groom. For others, weddings present a completely different set of stresses and feelings. So today, we're preparing our toasts and practicing our dance moves as we ask the question, 27 Dresses, what's it about? I'm Ricardo Boy Diaz. I'm Seth Crow. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, a show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves, and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. And today, before we start our episode, we have a very, very special announcement. Yes, yes. We told you all that we had some great things planned for this year, uh, and this is the first of many. We have somebody very special joining us today. For those of you who are we are mega fans out there, you might know this person from our In Bruges episode. Incidentally, it's our most popular episode as well. So that's right. It is the lovely Megan Bronham back with us again, but not just as a featured guest. No, 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 no. Today, we want to officially welcome Megan as our permanent third co-host. Megan, welcome to the team. Here. I'm excited. Welcome. Um, oh, yeah. are too. You have a little friend. Yes, Nora will be joining us occasionally, my cat. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, again, awesome. Megan joined us last year uh, for uh, one episode, mm-hmm. and it, like I said, is our most popular episode. So we had to bring her back to boost our numbers. <laughs> But not only that, we really enjoyed our conversation with with Megan last year um, when we talked about In Bruges. And uh, Megan, you actually wanted to come on and be a permanent host of the show with us. And so I wanted to ask you, um, why? Why come? Why did you want to come and join us on a weekly basis? <laughs> uh, I had a lot of fun last time. I know I'm biased because I talk about in Bruges without people asking me to all the time. <laughs> so it was nice to get it out in a safe space. Um, but I just, I talk about movies all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just felt like if I have to, you know, show up for an hour plus a week and just keep doing that, I might as well. <laughs> um, and then it's an excuse to watch more movies when I always always want that and to talk about our feelings yeah and our feelings <laughs> yes that's true yes i know that yeah. you're most excited about that of course yeah. everybody is <laughs> well me and ricky tried on 27 dresses together and we just realized we needed a woman on the podcast you yes. know <laughs> 27 dresses we, we tried yeah. to do this movie last year, guys, and it just, you know, the picks, the picks just didn't do us justice, <laughs> and, and so we had to delay that one and bring on, bring on Megan, so we could do it properly. Uh, but Megan, yes, we are extremely happy to have Stoked. you. We are very happy to have you, and uh, we are excited because you're going to be able to add s- such a, a great different perspective for us and. Each time on the show, when we have guests and we have other people besides just me and Seth on, it's always an even more dynamic and fun conversation. And so having you on here, I think is going to really open us up even more um, to talking about different things that we did not expect. So yeah. um, we're, we're so excited to have you. And Ricky and I can be very inside baseball at times. Yeah. And though, though I think that our, some of our audience might appreciate that. 
I think it's, I think this is going to ground us better. You know, mm-hmm. I think this is going to like be like, all right, I don't, I don't think we should shy away from serious subjects or, uh, or honesty or authenticity by any means. But at the same time, me and Ricky probably shouldn't have a five minute tangent about magic the gathering. You know, it just doesn't. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'll just go somewhere else while you guys. <laughs> okay. So this is part of the podcast where we talk about magic, the gathering. <laughs> we'll, we'll do this when we're ready for you. I have nothing against it. I just have, I have nothing to say. I have you, never. You just don't know the rules. Okay. Yeah. You just don't. I, I don't know. Yeah, I you, don't. Should go okay. you should go with such place to help you try to play. All right. I'm go. <laughs> But no, we're not here to talk about Magic the Gathering. We are here today to talk about 27 Dresses uh, from 2008, the Katherine Heigl, James Marsden rom-com. I picked this one. This is my choice um, because, as I mentioned last week, uh, no, not last week, but as I mentioned in the last episode, uh, my sister just got married this last weekend. Uh, We were actually in the Caribbean when I posted that episode. I was editing the podcast while I was in the Caribbean, which was kind of interesting to to work on the Pirates of the Caribbean podcast oh, in yeah. the Caribbean. I didn't, I didn't think about that. <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, my sister just got married um, to a wonderful guy named Dakin, super fan of the show. I'm sure he'll listen to this eventually. Um, but uh, it was a lovely wedding and uh, just you know preparing for it, I officiated, so I, I did the whole a wedding and everything. Um, so I was in the wedding spirit, um, and I just wanted to pick a movie that my sister loves. This is one of the movies that me and my sister used to watch together a lot. So this is one that she – this is the podcast that she can listen to because uh, she hasn't seen a lot of the movies that we watch. Uh, but – yeah, not only that though. This is a movie that I saw, as I said, when I was younger with my with my sister and my mom, and it's a movie that we've gone back to many, many times. And it's interesting because I'm a huge rom com person. I know Seth is not. I'm not. <laughs> I am. Yes, good. <laughs> I'm a huge rom com person. I love rom coms, and like they don't really make them like they used to. They've kind of yeah. been relegated to like this like kind of schlocky direct to streaming avenue, and. Mm-hmm. I kind of miss the 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 those mid rain those mid budget rom coms that like the early two thousands was like known for, yeah. and so uh, it reminded me of my sister. And it was a movie that I really enjoy and love going back to, um, and it was just in the wedding spirit. So that's why I chose Twenty Seven Dresses. It may seem out of left field, but it felt very personal to where my life is at at that moment. Um, so yeah. You, I like I have a big history of 27 dresses. Megan, what was your history with this movie? Um, I well, I hadn't seen it in a while, so watching it last night was really fun because mm-hmm. I I used to watch it all the time in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a very big romantic comedy person. I'm very defensive of romantic comedies. My cat is named after Nora Ephron. Like I'm I'm in it. Yep. <laughs> I I um but this is one where I'm like, I, I have different tiers for romantic comedies mm-hmm. where I'm like, there are ones that are like great movies that are like, so like perfect, like Nora Ephron ones are so perfectly yeah. written and so quick. And so just like they, they hold their own. And then there are ones that maybe aren't perfect movies, but they're so comforting. And that's mm-hmm. where this one lives for me. Um, and yeah, my best friend and I used to watch, it was like this one. And then because I said so with Mandy Moore, uh-huh. and Diane, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, that. And then there were like a couple others, but yeah, I used to watch it all the time. I was in love with James Marsden. Um, oh my gosh. So James. I just, I think Catherine Heigl, I was thinking um, how like charming she was in this movie and I'm kind of sad she got like ousted for a little bit, but yeah, I love this. I think it's so comforting. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. She is very charming in this movie and this like movie is, is very important in her like filmography because it did make her kind of like this like household name mm-hmm. in that, in that way. And, and people did love her for a very long time until it, all the, like I said, all that stuff started coming out about how she's kind of difficult um okay no <laughs> yes that came out but i think she's in a we're uh we're in a renaissance from what i understand we are in a renaissance yeah she's coming back i think she just she's making she's her ahead of her time yeah from what i from what i know yes yeah uh and so seth what's your what's your history of 27 dresses i bet it's long <laughs> uh i i actually did see this movie in theaters uh this is so when i was a kid uh i had this collection and i wish i still had it. i wish i knew where it was of movie stub tickets that I like every movie I, I saw, I would keep the, mm-hmm. the, the, and this I think is one of the last movie stub tickets that I ever kept in that, uh, that pile. And I had like thousands, like a thousand oh, of them. Cause I would go to the movies every weekend. That, that would be like really cool ritual. if you still had that. Yeah. I, I, it might be somewhere in my house, but I doubt it. Mm. Um, but I did, I do remember seeing this in theaters and enjoying it which was a rarity for me because I just romantic comedies are not my jam. I mean, mm-hmm. I can get, I can, I get it. I get it, but we'll get into that later. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what were you feeling seeing it now? Same. I mean, uh, it's, it was cheesier than I remember. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, a- again, it's, it's the same moral conundrum I have with all romantic comedies all because right, it's, right. Just, it's very difficult for me to suspend my disbelief watching a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. You'll do it when, wa- when watching some kind of freaky horror movie, but you won't do it with, with romance. Uh, well, I have to, I mean, I'll you, explain. You like later. the lighthouse. I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, because it's just, disbelief there. It's not a. It, there's no. To me, it's like it's not trying to pretend to be real life. Yeah, it's 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 like a leap. There's no the, like the fantasy leap doesn't teach you anything. It's just like, oh, wouldn't it be nice? You know, like oh, wouldn't it be nice if this were the way things were? We'll get into it. Make you're killing you're killing our new co-host. You're killing her. Though this is just like this is a dangerous episode for me to start on because I have so many just years of solidified like thoughts and feelings. Oh no, and and a, and a passion that's built up of like a people episode. people attacking your rom coms and you be like no. But I, I yeah I do understand what you're saying Seth, but I I have counterpoints. We'll get it. I said that's sure. the big criticism sure. with rom coms in general is like they're not real. No blah blah blah. It's a movie. It's a movie. That's what I say too. Yeah, real. That's, I say the same thing. I'm I, like, it's a movie. They're so they're so grounded in reality, but they're so not real. Like mm-hmm. that's that's my beef with it, and and it's like, yeah. Well, well, well let's 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 stick, let's stick to the structure. That we'll, this we'll is talk the about. part of the structure. I asked you a question. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's oh, let's stick to the structure. He's getting embarrassed already. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, all right. So let's talk a little bit about how this film came to be, the players that were in place that made this film what it currently is and where it is at today. So this film was directed by Anne Fletcher. Anne Fletcher also directed Step Up, The Proposal, The Guilt Trip, Hot Pursuit, Dumplin', Heart of Life, Hocus Pocus 2, as well as episodes of Step Up High Water, AJ and the Queen, Love Victor, and This Is Us. And 27 Dresses was written by Aline Brosh McKenna, who also wrote Three to Tango, Laws of Attraction, Drive, The Devil Wears Prada, Morning Glory, I Don't Know How She Does It, We Bought a Zoo, Annie, the 2014 version of Annie, and Cruella, as well as episodes of All American Girl, Arranged, and she was the creator of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is a show I really, really like. Yeah, it's a fun show. Uh, I love that show. (laughs) Um, So yeah, those are the players in place, but here is the actual story. So sometimes true life inspires art, and such is the case for the 2008 romantic comedy 27 Dresses. As told by screenwriter Aline Brosh McKenna, the genesis of the story was inspired by a friend of hers who had been a bridesmaid in 12 different weddings at the time. Fascinated by the type of person who could be so integral to so many people's lives, Brosh McKenna felt compelled to explore this idea. However, the fabric of this story would go through many changes, about as many costume changes as Katherine Heigl herself, as this cookie-cutter 2000s rom-com could have looked very different if Brosh McKenna had had her way. In its early stages, the story that would eventually become 27 Dresses was much less of a romantic comedy and more of a dramatic character study about women and the pressure that society puts on them to get married. When Brosh McKenna pitched this idea to some producers she had worked with in the past, they loved it and began shopping it around to studios. They pitched it to nine different studios who all passed on the project before a producer at Spyglass suggested that they alter the concept slightly. This producer loved the base concept but didn't quite agree with the approach to the story, wanting a more traditional rom-com structure that defined that era of film. Brosh McKenna reworked the pitch and Spyglass decided to pick it up. Spyglass had Brosh McKenna do a few more drafts of the script, continually asking her to scale back on the more thoughtful drama and amp up the rom-com elements of the story. Brosh McKenna found herself struggling to make the changes the producers were asking for, so a few other writers were brought in to take passes at the script. But the script never got quite to where the producers wanted it to be, and it toiled away in development hell for a few years, even being passed between different studios for a time. However, something else did happen. Brosh McKenna's career exploded with the success of her 2006 film, The Devil Wears Prada. With her success as a more serious screenwriter, Brosh McKenna lost interest in writing 27 Dresses and didn't think she would ever return to the project. However... A little convincing and the addition of director Ann Fletcher and attaching of Katherine Heigl to star brought Brosh McKenna back into the fold as the final production writer. And even though the film was not quite the feminist temple that Brosh McKenna originally intended it to be, it was still a progressive film for its time as the film's writer, director, and star were all women. And despite all the constant changes and disagreements that were had in regarding this film, ultimately 
it all made a beautiful product as the film was released in January of 2008, grossing over $162 million worldwide on a $30 million budget. And while the film received mostly mixed reviews at the time, it helped cement the careers of Katherine Heigl and James Marsden and somehow became one of those rare romantic comedies that endured the test of time and become consistent rewatches to those who are fans of it. Much like an actual wedding, the filmmakers of this movie came in with a plan, which promptly went right out the window when the time came. However, that didn't stop the movie from being a sweet, enjoyable, and heartfelt experience that the audience doesn't soon forget. And that is the story of 27 Dresses. This movie took five to six years to get made. That's wild. Wild. Yeah. so interesting that it started as a character study because watching it now, now that I'm, I mean, the last time I watched it, I was maybe like, I'm sure I watched it in between. Mm-hmm. The first time I watched it must have been like 15. Mm-hmm. You know, how old was I? 2008. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, and I, I kind of just was like focused on like the romantic aspect of it. But watching it now, the relationship between the sisters and the different kind of types they play, that's more of what I was focused on. Ex- and I found that to be like the real grounding part of it and loved that. It's so. so- it's so crazy that you say that because that's actually the lat that the relationship between the sisters and that dynamic was the fight. So after Brosh McKenna had left, they brought in these other writers to kind of like romantic comedy it up a little bit more. Um, originally, Brosh McKenna didn't want Jane to end up with Kevin. Uh, she like you know a subversion of that she doesn't need him to be happy type of thing. It right. doesn't need to oh, end he's that James way. Marsden. But he's James <laughs> Marsden exactly, um, and so. She she really didn't want to do that, but after she came back, that had been added, and they were like, "Look, you can come back and re-add in some of the, di- fa- you know, family dynamics and the more dramatic core that you wanted." But she has to end up with Kevin at the end. That's our only stipulation. So she did come in, and the the relationship between Jane and Tess was actually like one of the later additions that Brosh McKenna had brought in after she had came back to add. You said to ground it and add that actual family relationship in there, and. You can definitely see elements of this idea of like the way women function, especially at that time period, the way women function, especially in the wedding circuit and things like that. The pressure of like getting married and things like that are always on them. I would have really enjoyed it if they didn't end up together. I think I would have liked the movie a lot. It's because you're because you are don't have a heart. <laughs> you're doing you're doing the Kevin thing and you're, pretending. Yeah, you're yeah you're you're being you're being a Kevin Malcolm Doyle right now and just pretending yeah. to be cynical. Well, maybe, but because you're a hurt person. No, but hurt I people hurt people. Well, I will talk about my trauma later, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I thought it was. I said this to uh, Megan at work this week. Um, I said uh, I kind of had a thought, put two and two together that. James Marsden's character in this movie is basically the same template for Jack Nicholson in as good as it gets. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's this jaded romance writer, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's like amazing that he can still write these things, but he has no connection to the, mm-hmm. to the real well, deal. We'll talk about it later, but we learned that maybe that's not quite, the case. And we learned that in as good as it gets as well of like people who say these things tend to be covering up something else in a lot of ways. Um, it's not that they don't believe in these things or want these things. It's usually something, something else, but we'll get into that. Like I said, in a little bit. Um, so yeah, what does strange and like, yeah, like I said, some of those elements of like the character 
drama are in there the the family stuff but also like the way that jane Catherine Heigl does such a great job in this movie of like of showing somebody who desperately like wants to help everyone but it's like secretly miserable yeah and hides it from everybody yeah and I think um I think I got less of the like the pressure on women to like get married I think maybe that in like the the final drafts Mm. wasn't as obvious but I think just like the archetypes of like your two options what like that felt like were available for a long time were like self-sacrificing and like you'll find happiness through like constantly putting other people first and eventually they'll come back around to you and she's like there are just so many points where she's like happy to help when she very clearly isn't right and i think like that's that's just a really um it's just so ingrained in how women are are brought up or it used to be i don't know if it still is um but yeah, to be like sacrificing and selfless and that's how you'll get what you deserve. And she doesn't really go after what she wants. She kind of is waiting for it until mm-hmm. the end. And I found that really interesting. Um, and Tess is like the opposite where she's like, she doesn't sacrifice anything. And I think both of those also are coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a different thing. Yes, we'll get it. We'll get into all of that for sure. Uh, so it seems like we're we're like chomping at the bit to get at the the themes of this movie to get our the theme gleans. So let's go right into uh, what this film is. What is the plot, uh, Seth? What time is it? It's riding with Ricky. It's riding with Ricky. It's the best time of day. I didn't come up with. I didn't. I didn't come up with the rest of the song today. <laughs> song last time I was here. Here's a song now. <laughs> It's a it's a I, work I, in progress. It's great. He, uh, he, he he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't come up with anything. I, I don't come up. Uh, so we we're doing a a portion of the show now called uh, riding with Ricky. That's uh, writing and where Ricky uh, gives us his logline for the show and we mm-hmm. kind of score it. Um, the, the the tune was based off of an old sketch we did called Riding with Rick, Ricky. R-I-D-I-N-G, and uh, we've taken it and appropriated it to uh, this. Uh, there was a theme song, and I'm trying to rework the theme song. Uh, I haven't worked it well. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you did it better last time. <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, back. so we started doing this after the Ambrugge episode, where instead of just pulling up the IMDb summary or the Rotten Tomato summary, uh, me as a as an aspiring screenwriter, I need to get better at writing log lines. So I'm starting to write my own original long lines for these. And like again, I want to make sure that I'm good at them. So you guys are going to score me on a scale of one to ten. Maybe you know, maybe we should all start doing and score each other. Oh, who has the better one? We'll Ooh. talk. We'll talk. Ooh. Many changes are coming. It's I don't, a new year. I no, you can like do I'm it. Homework, like my first day of class. <laughs> No, 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 <laughs> no, no, but you have to do it <laughs> or, or you're fired. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Absolutely not. We'll figure it out. Okay. So here is what this movie is. <clears throat> Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. 27 time bridesmaid Jane gets dragged into planning a wedding between her sister and the man she's secretly in love with, all while unknowingly being the subject of a wedding column in a newspaper. Pretty solid. Yeah. It's pretty solid. It's a little long. Mm-hmm. I think you could you could probably shorten it. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about log lines to score you. It, it's it's a gut feeling. It's a gut feeling. Yeah. No, I agree. Out of are we scoring out of ten? Yeah, 10? scoring out of ten. Yeah. 
Eight. Eight. Okay. I'm going to give you a seven, seven. Seven, seven. Okay. So seven, seven. now you're making me do math, Seth. <laughs> seven point seven and an eight. So let's average that. <laughs> um, okay. Plus the eight divided by two equals. That's not right. <laughs> let's try that again. Seven point seven plus eight equals divided by two equals seven point eight five. Not bad. Not oh. bad. Okay, so let's add that seven point eight five into my big score. I'm keeping score here. So my tally for the year, sum it up, average, is 8.76, sorry, 8.67 is my, so far for the year, not bad. My total for the entire show is 8.5. Not bad. Brought me down just a smidge, just a skosh. I think, I, I just think... The, you could maybe just cut the first line. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Maybe could cut that. I was putting that in for tone. Sometimes you tell yeah. me that I don't yeah. go for tone enough. So I was yeah. adding that in for, for, for to give the tone of the movie. You know what I mean? It's kind of cheeky and you yeah. know, schmaltzy. Yeah. Fair I, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't take offense. That's fair. I think I agree, but it is long. So It is long. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, guys. So now that we've talked about what the movie is, its history, our histories with it, it's time to get to the titular question. So, Seth, why don't you go ahead and ask our new co-host to go? Do you not Uh, want to go first? I'll go first. Okay. All right. All right, Megan. 27 Dresses. What's it about? Ooh, okay. I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think my answer's changed. Thank God, because if it was the same as it was when I was like 14. <laughs> oh, um, <no>. I think <laughs> I think it's mostly about Jane's journey from that would have been a horrible title for this movie, Jane's Journey. From <laughs> um I, I think uh sort of casting herself in a certain role in her life. Mm-hmm as it relates to other people, which is again, a very, uh, a pretty um, familiar part of the feminine experience for a lot of women. Um, and sort of learning to ask for what she wants and be a more active participant in her life um, and put herself first um, and realizing that being selfish sometimes isn't, um, isn't, doesn't make you a bad person. And also I think it's about her relationship with her sister um, kind of becoming more real and less like them both acting in certain roles they think they have to act in. Um, I don't know. For me, the wedding was just like a background thing altogether. Like it was just like a cute little, um, like a a hook, 27 dresses thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Even her falling in love. I was like, that's fun. But it just didn't feel like the the point. I liked her, her art more. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So you're saying, yeah, it's about, Finding kind of this is actually kind of where I landed too is like about finding your role in your life, mm-hmm. like, and I think the the whole like twenty seven dresses is like a, such a good like motif and symbol of that, and like she's trying on all these different looks, but they're all ha- are for the same. They're all bridesmaids dresses, right? They're she's trying on all these different looks, but it's all in the same vein of like being this like help this people pleasing helper. Mm. And yeah. 
but it's not a wedding dress. A wedding dress is not a bridesmaid's dress. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you need to stop trying to be a bridesmaid's dress and you need to start trying to be a wedding dress. It's a yeah. different, it's a different role and you have to go about it differently, you know? Mm-hmm. And she, she's thinking she's going to get the wedding dress by being a bridesmaid. And yeah. so that's, you can't, it, that's not how life works. Yeah. You know, you're going to be a, a bride, you're going to be a 50 time bridesmaid before you'll be a, a, a wedding, uh, a bride. If you keep yeah. putting yourself in the role of bridesmaid. And like, I think it's also about that fear um, that people in general have, where if like, if you're not useful, will people still want you around? Mm-hmm. Um, I think she comes like she at the end when she, um, her boss, who is like not a good competitive romantic lead. I did not. I was like, why, why do you like him? Um, but <laughs> when her boss is like, you never say no. And she was like, oh, that's actually really bad that you like that about me. Um, and I think her realizing that she has value somewhere else and standing up for herself was really just a really nice thing to see in a romantic comedy. He's not a bad guy. He's just kind of bland. He's not bad. He's just so boring. Yeah. He looks like he should be in like a on the on a cliff bar box. Like yeah. he might be on a cliff bar box. You don't you just don't see him in his element in this movie. No. You know? He's not <laughs> He's the outdoorsy guy, and he don't they don't do anything outdoorsy. Yeah, he's not. He's not even bad looking. It's just like once you cast James Marsden as your, like, it's hard to to work against that. James Marsden is so charismatic and, and charming. Oh, it's crazy. Hard, it's hard to beat out Cyclops, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. So, Seth, what about how do you feel about this one? Where where do you land? Oh, I, I, like I said, I like this movie, and I think the message it's putting forth is good. I think the ending contradicts the main theme of the film, which uh, maybe not. Maybe it doesn't contradict. It just like. I think it's you think it under it well, undercuts I, it. It undercuts it. Yeah, that's a better that's a better uh, a better word. Uh, I think this movie is about your expectations of what life is supposed to be, what love is supposed to be, uh, your idealizations, and the truth of what those. That's what. That's why I think this romantic comedy is a little different than others because it actually addresses uh, the problems with over romanticizing. Um, so, I mean, I think all what you guys are saying is true as well. Like you have to find, like, I think that's part of growth, right. As a human being is finding these, figuring out how to take care of yourself and like what you can give to other people and what you shouldn't give to other people. Um, but at the same time, there is a childish notion of what you think your life is supposed to be in. And then what your life actually is. And you have to, I think a huge part of being, of growing up or uh, growing as a person is letting go of your expectation as to what those things are. And I think that this movie explores that, which is really cool. And then at the end, it's like, it was all I wanted and more, you know? And I'm like... (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. Hold on, 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 hold on. I totally agree with what you're saying as far as like this movie shows us that Jane picks a role in her life as a child. She she has this this moment after her mother has died where she becomes this caretaker for everybody. 
as a child. And like I know we talked to Rhea Tire about this in our Babadook episode where she also had that feeling of like having to take care of other people as a child and how that that affected her growing up and how she still struggles with that today. Um, I think that's Jane has the same thing. She found something that made her feel good and helping people does make you feel good. But, you know, she's she's trying to fill a portion of you know, a loss in her life by making herself everybody's go to person. Well, and like there there's this there's and you're right, she casts herself in this role as a child and she just childlessly sticks with it and thinks that's what her life is. Not just that. So there's like a reflection, there's an equal and opposite reaction to her choosing what mm. she has chosen, right? So like she is a caretaker, wants to take care of everybody else, but really deep down what she really wants is a man to take care of her. Like I disagree. I disagree also. Cause, she, cause wants, she, she wants a knight in shining armor to come in and sweep her off her feet. That's I her disagree with that. See, that's what I no, I disagree with that one hundred percent. Because at one point she even says, "I don't need you to take care of me." She's very capable. She says she's very capable. She, but she, but she, that's not what's reflective of like what she's pursuing. I see. I disagree. But go ahead, Megan. Well, I don't even think in the movie she's really pursuing. She's not really pursuing anything romantically in the movie other than having a crush on George. Like the whole time she's like pushing against Kevin. She's more, she's more just focused again on her like role as a helper. And then kind of the relationship with Kevin is important ultimately for her learning how to set boundaries and saying no. And um, I think the part of that relationship that is so charming is that he encourages that in her, um, how she is valuable outside of what she can do for other people and that's like, I don't think that's explored a lot in romantic comedies. And I think that's kind of, I don't know. I don't think she was waiting for him. I don't think it was like she was, once she got that, she was like, right now I don't have to worry about, you know, taking care of other people. Someone can, I think it was just someone, it was just nice for her to hear someone say, I'll take care of you while you take care of all those other people. And I think that's a very healthy, sweet I don't know. I just don't think it's as simple as she like gives it all up when a guy comes in. I, I don't think it's as simple, but I do think she's completely passive in her pursuit for a romantic relationship. Like she's, you don't think she's passive? I well, here's the thing. becomes an active, an active. I think that was the whole point because the whole her, the whole movie she's passive. That, that's what I, I'm saying. I actually I should disagree with this. I don't think she's passive. I think she's actively running away from her own yes. happiness. She's self sabotaging. So I don't think she's passive. I think she's actively self sabotaging herself because yes, she is a beautiful, capable, smart woman, and guys show interest in her yeah. throughout the movie. Yeah. But she runs away from them because mm-hmm. she doesn't even fully love herself. She doesn't yeah. care. She doesn't care for herself. So for me, she is actively running away from ro- actual romance, That's you know, and, and as somebody, and if we're going to get into some personal stuff, as somebody like me who tends to over romanticize and tends to fall for people, pine after people and never, and never say anything, the, the, the fantasy of that relationship potentially working out is, is safe, right? Mm-hmm. And she's scared to actually go for it because she doesn't necessarily believe she has value outside of just being someone that helps other people with their lives. 
she doesn't actually think that she deserves anybody else's love. And I, I, I when I, I wrote something down about this. Um, I agree. I agree that she is doing that. Yeah. Can I give you the seed thought for where I, I came up with what I said about her? Absolutely. Please. So watching her. So, so her mom dies. Mm-hmm. And immediately she gloms on to weddings, right? Yes. She's going to become a caretaker no matter what. Okay. Like that's like, that's inevitable um, because her mom is no longer there and her dad, she's taking care of her father. You know, she's Mm -hmm. taking care of her father. She's taking care of her sister. But the fact that she gloms on to weddings in particular means that there is some part of her that is over over idealizing what it means to be a bride. And so, and that's what she wants more than anything in the world. And then she's not actually doing anything to pursue it. So like, that's where, that's where I, I mean, I think she grows as a character. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I think that's, that's the arc of the film. It's her letting go of her expectation of what it means to be a bride. But like, that's where she starts is this place where I want someone to swoop in and give me everything I want. Again, this is where I might just disagree with this a little bit. Because I think that, yes, she, I think what, what, in a lot of movies, there's the thing that the character wants, they cannot get until they've until they've grown. So yes, of course she wants to be a bride and she over romanticizes weddings. Like the movie is about this, that she, she's a little bit naive when it comes to what actual love is. Um, and th- there's that old saying, like you can't find love or you can't receive love from other people until you love yourself. Right. And this movie is, she's actually without her even realizing she's running away from love, from her own love in her life by s- immersing herself overwhelmingly. So in other people's love lives, you know, she, she is scared to pursue her own love well she's scared to have her ideal shattered right 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 yeah exactly so i wouldn't say again i wouldn't call this passive i would say this is active avoidance she 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 has somebody right in front of her who she's she says thinks she's in love with and is available you know he's he's at the beginning of the movie he's an available bachelor they seem to have a good relationship it may not be romantic but you know there's nothing stopping her from being like hey you know like I feel this way, and even even her 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 friend and coworker, who can we give a big shout out to Judy Greer? She is a national yeah. treasure. Yeah. Love okay. Judy Greer. She's hilarious in this movie. Her friends like just say something. Like he yeah. like he even puts it out there sometimes. Like do you want to drink? Like 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 they have a friendly relationship. It's just like put it out there. Like if he says no, it's not a it's not a big deal. And. I can understand people who know me out there who are listening to this podcast be like, Ricky, that is the most hypocritical thing you've ever said. Because I do the same freaking thing. I'll pine and pine and pine. And someone's like, just say something. Just put it out there. It's so scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is scary. I, I think um, I, I'm really struggling with the idea of her like a, being a bride, being like the one thing she's after. Mm-hmm. Just because we were kind of dropped into her life when she's not really like pursuing anything right? other than like, she's like, has her job. She has her friends. She has like 
um, I, I don't know. I just don't think that was like the thing she was after. I think she just wants. Well, there's some arrested, arrested development going on where you're right. Like she's, she's not pushing her life forward. She's been his assistant for years. And she even said like, this is a two year job and I've been doing this for a long time. This is an arrested development situation. She's stagnated in her life. I'm just giving you the context that was given me at the top of the film by the character themselves. No, no, no. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I think the, I think that's the thing about this movie and then maybe why this this film in particular, like we were kind of mentioning, is one of these rom-coms from that era that has lasted 14, 15 years and people still go back to quite a bit mm-hmm. is because there's some different, sub, slightly subversive stuff going on underneath the stereotypical presentation of, of your rom-com. It gives you both. It gives you a little bit of what you want with the rom-com tropes and the falling in love and all the sweetness that goes on. But then it like underneath it, there is an undercurrent of, of Jane needs to learn how to love herself first. She needs to learn yeah. how to care, care for herself, set her boundaries. And you're right. It's like in a typical rom-com, she might be trying to pursue a bunch of men that she, you know, as a way of, oh, I'm looking for a husband. So I'm going to date a bunch of guys at all these weddings. Like maybe she'd be doing all these weddings so she could try and meet guys at all these weddings and find her husband and things like that. And, and we see her actually pushing that aside. So a good example of this I saw that I think it was a really small moment in this movie, but I think actually is, is such a, a, a good representation of Jane as a character is the moment in the beginning, in the, that beginning uh, where she's going to two weddings and there's the bouquet moment, you know? Okay, it's time to throw the bouquet and you see her turn slightly away as in like, I'm going to make it seem like I don't really want this. Mm-hmm. But then look out of like the side of her eye and like really be, she she wants to pretend that she, she doesn't want want it, but she mm-hmm. deeply, deeply does. But she's, she's turning away from what she wants because she... Yeah. It, and and then she tries to go for it, and then someone just comes in and just bodies her, yeah. <laughs> and takes it away. That's really interesting, yeah, because that's like the whole the arc of it is that um, she like maybe thinks that um, asking for what she wants or standing up for what she wants, even though even if it is like kind of, I don't know. I, I think yeah, asking for what she wants to her seems selfish, mm. and so maybe in that context, like she's like, well, I'm here to help the bride. I'm here to be like. Uh, support to other people right. so I can't really think about what I want and make it about me um, which is fair because the wedding is a different context but then by the end when she you know jumps onto that boat and makes the the classic rom-com speech like the public display of affection is her being a very active participant in her own happiness that's and- that's why I think it this like her co- ending up with Kevin works for me is because yeah. Throughout this movie, we keep see her deny what she wants, what she feels, what's best for her. We see her put herself, put others in front of her constantly. And we can clearly see <laughs> Seth shaking his head. Seth shaking his head. But I'm going to continue, Seth. You shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, we see that there is a spark between her and Kevin, but she does keep pushing it away. And yes, there's the moment where like the article comes out and things like that. And that kind of like puts a kibosh on that. But there there's she likes kevin but she's telling herself that she has to abstain from what she wants until she realizes after that that blow up at her sister's rehearsal dinner it's like i maybe that wasn't the right thing to do but i needed to i needed to express myself 
Yeah, I think that's a really interesting scene. I'm sorry, <laughs> Seth. I know you. Have no, no, it's okay. No. He's about to explode. I have nothing like good to like say. This bottle of champagne. I just really quick want to talk about that scene and how Judy Greer really like. I think her character is so good because um, you think she's just this like party girl, like mm-hmm. shallow, whatever. But she is the most um, classic best friend in romantic comedy, like the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like a really good example of how if you never set boundaries your whole life you're gonna when you're like figuring out boundaries as a grown-up you're gonna fuck up a lot (laughs) and i think judy greer because she's so like just does what she feels is right and what she wants to do in that moment she's like oh no no no, that was wrong and i know that was wrong because i've already figured this shit out for myself um and i i just really like that moment i think that that's a good i i I like that moment also Mm -hmm. i think it's very real Mm -hmm. like she didn't need to even the truth is is she didn't even need to do what she did the uh, what's the what's the kid's name? Uh, Pedro. Pedro. Uh, Pedro making that announcement would have been enough. <laughs> so, so like it, her, her like it would have taken care of itself. Um, well, also found that all the photos, a lot of the photos of Tess to like reveal that she's like like not what she seems, or just her like flirting with men, uh, yeah. like, okay, and boyfriends, yeah. like that. Yeah. Reveal. Um, it, it was definitely shitty. Like it, like it was no nothing not shitty about. Right. It. Yeah. And and even and even uh, even uh, other people were like, you, you should you could have just talked to him. Like you yeah. could have just said you could have you at any point you could have. But the whole point of the thing is she's not able to just talk. She's not able to just express her feelings because okay. she's represses she represses her feelings for everybody else's benefit. And so she's physically enabled to say the words, but she, she did something very vindictive because she just couldn't, she couldn't contain it anymore. And, and so it, thinks- it, it, again, another form of self-sabotage. It was like, she's self-sabotaging her relationship with her sister. You yeah, know, like and, but she needed to do it that maybe, it, I mean, she didn't quote unquote need to do it in that way, but I think the character needed to blow up. Yes. In order yeah. to then, Real, pull back you know you have to cross a line and then you have to in order to know what the line is sometimes yeah yeah and i liked that um she was like you're always telling me to stand up for myself and Jigger was like that's not what that was um i think that's also yeah that was her nuking nuking people's yeah. lives it's a small moment but a really powerful line yeah and maybe maybe I, I defend this movie so passionately because i i see myself both in jane as a as a people pleaser and you know something on the show I've talked about very much is there is a sick I have a very sick relationship with with helping people in that I like to martyr myself it feels good sometimes to martyr yourself to make yourself feel important by and to give yourself like a moral superiority by sacrificing for the benefit of others like there is like a sick sadist sadistic kind of thing to that of like causing yourself pain for others makes that's, you feel that's masochism ricky not i'm oh, sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i mean we'll talk about no I'm, I'm also a sadist we'll talk you're you're also a sadist but that's uh that's a different conversation no masochistic thank you <laughs> but you know what i mean like there is a there is a, a weird if the pain feels good type of thing to that um and that's that's that i struggle with but it has to it has to be on my terms. Well, it's like you being like, this is what I deserve. I sh- I'm the one that should sacrifice. Yeah. And do you, but do you find yourself, I think um, the danger Jane gets into is um, 
you're doing all this stuff for other people. And I think, and none of those people in her life, not to say this is like what your, your situation is, but like no one asks her to do all that. She's cast herself in that role and she's made herself the martyr. And then at a certain point, I think a resentment starts to grow. Yeah. And I have people in my life who are that way and they're the most selfless, generous people. And I love them so, so much. But I have this like, I'm very sensitive to when their kindness turns into martyrdom because mm. I've been on the receiving end of the resentment. And I, I'm just like, I never asked you to do all of that stuff. And I have tried to set my boundaries and make sure I'm respecting yours. But if you don't stand up for yours, you can't get mad at me mm-hmm. when like I, I have tried to keep everything, you know. Yeah, hopes. that's a good point. It's for me, it's a little bit of both. Sometimes it 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 is, I am doing, I am genuinely, I do genuinely want to help people and, and do kind of stuff for people. And a lot of times it isn't detrimental to me whatsoever, but sometimes it is. And sometimes people ask me to do it and I'll do it. And sometimes I just do it because I think it needs to be done. Uh, and that you're right. Resentment, resentment does build. And it's like, well, I never asked you that. It's like, well, if I didn't do it, it wouldn't get, it wouldn't have gotten done. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, no, it would have. It's like, but I've seen it, but I've seen yeah. when it doesn't. You know, I, I'm having this whole situation at work right now where it's exactly like that, where I'm I'm stepping up and being a little bit more confrontational than I than I normally would be with my with my bosses because certain things haven't been running very well lately. And, you know, I we had set uh, like an action plan in place and I thought we were going to try and do it that way. And then when I was away, uh, I, I saw that things weren't weren't being done the way we thought we were going to try and do them. And so I said something to my, to, to my manager. I was like, Hey, didn't we say we were going to try it a different way? And she, she put me in my place. She's like, well, you're not the manager. So I was like, Oh, okay. Like I was trying to like make things better, but if you don't want to like try and follow through with any of that, fine, like, fine, I hope it all works out for you. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, I'm learning how to set boundaries. Um, but so I see a lot of myself in Jane, but I also see a lot of myself in, in Kevin. In that I've had some really rough, really rough romantic missteps in my life that I'm still pretty romantic. I'm still pretty idealistic and naive, but like there is a a cynicism streak in me from years. Yeah. From years of, of disappointment. Um, So I definitely see myself in Kevin as somebody who's made themselves vulnerable and been hurt. And then pulls way back because of it. Um, deep down, I like like Kevin. I'm secretly a romantic. Kevin's a romantic. Yeah, he, but he but he's scared because of the pain he's been through, so he hides it behind a false cynicism mask. Yes, um, and I definitely do that too. So that's it what do you false think? cynicism? It's actual cynicism. Well, I think it's a. I think it's cynicism it that he's shield. using to. Sh- yes, yes. Oh, it's, it's not it's, truthfully it's not he is. I don't, he's not really cynical, I don't think. I think the the reason their relationship works and like that, like kind of classic, um, like old Hollywood romantic comedy, is the fact that they read each other right away, right. and they can like play off of each other and they see right through each other's facades. I and think, so I think he's right when she says that he's just like trying to protect himself. I think he's toxic. For I think their relationship is toxic. <laughs> I love the way he looked at her when she walked down the aisle. That was sweet. I. I, it looked like he was looking into the sun. Did anyone else think that was like a bad shot? Like, I don't know why they made him squint so much. 
I was like, why would they shoot this this way? It's too bad they're going to get a divorce in like five years. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, I, what yeah. I'll say is he needed to grow too. He is toxic to start the movie. He needed to grow because his, his pain being left at the altar for his roommate and best friend they just like that's traumatic. Yeah, they were just like, and this is his stuff, and they don't really deal with it. That's and 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 it happens like a lot of times with men in female centric rom coms. They they are just, you know, and and to be fair, women have that same problem in a male centric rom com where they become the object of of affection and and don't get their 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 trauma explored as much. And he kind of falls victim to that in this movie, but. It, I think that we understand a little bit more and we've seen that type of movie before. It's like Hitch came out a few years before this. Oh my God, yes. And that's the same thing where he was he was slighted and caused yeah. him to become this this guy who's like, I'm not gonna be actually vulnerable. I'm gonna pretend to be vulnerable. I'm gonna help other people find love, but not actually looking for it for myself because I'm afraid of it and I'm afraid of getting hurt. And I think think Kevin is much like that. And so we get we get that. We've seen that story. So we don't need to do as much exploration of that as yeah. as we don't get as many stories about people like Jane. At least I, at that time. Jane punches him. He deserved it. In this movie. There's two slaps two in this slaps. movie. Yeah. Uh, it's like a lot. But yeah, yeah, she clocks him. She cl- I mean, and we had to go it is a slap. We had I, we went back and, and It's a slap. We we slow mode it to see it's it a, looks it looks like a right hook. Like it, it's she it's comes really in fast with it too. And but I'm just saying they are I think they have chemistry, but I don't think it works because their entire relationship is based off around how they argue and how they like the conflict that comes between each other. Like like they, that's said in the film, it's like the way we argue. And I'm like, no, like that's, that's not good. Like you're just creating a fucking forest fire for your life. You know, like. I kind of agree. I think there are softer moments between them that are maybe not as explored because it's not as like fun to listen to them be sweet to each other as it is to listen to them like quip at each yeah. other. But there are moments like when they're, like the whole, God, I love a montage. The whole dresses montage was very cute. Um, the scene in the bar where they're just like dancing and having fun. I think there are hints of, I think that's, you know, suspending disbelief and lending your imagination to it. I think I, maybe it's just the lens you're looking at it through. Yes, yeah, so let's like, analyze this. Hold on. <laughs> if you slap somebody. The slap is not okay. Like <laughs> at that point in the relationship, it's over. I'm sorry. Like if you clock me, I'm not. Like he, he emotionally slapped her. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just don't agree with that. Their relationship should continue past that point. Like, like it's you have set a standard for physical abuse at the top of your relationship. Okay. Yes, that's a I fair think, point. Yes, but I, I think when it comes to that, I guess in in movies like this and romantic comedies and dramas, the slap is such like a, it's a okay cliche. to hit men. It's fine. <laughs> At all. I think why I don't, that's not what I'm saying. No one should hit anyone ever. I think that in these movies, like the dramatic old Hollywood slap is such like a cliche. Yeah. Such a, 
you yeah. see it, you're like, oh yeah, like that's what people do in movies. I, I think because I, I've watched so many, I'm like, obviously that's, I don't even think of it. I'm like, that's not, I forget that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I need to drink wine for this, for this podcast. My God, it's getting spicy. <laughs> do not hit anyone ever. I agree if you're looking at it from like a, a realistic perspective, that's a very, very toxic and dangerous place to start a relationship, obviously. Um, obviously. <laughs> that's a fair point, guys. Don't slap anybody. No don't one slap is slapping. Look, hot take, I don't think you should hit anyone. Yeah, no slapping yeah. anybody. No. That, like that's that for me, that would be it. Like that's fair. I, I, okay. First of all, it should have been over. When he, he, he like wrote in her planner, opened up her planner <laughs> and stalked her. Like yeah. this is a clear example of the more attractive you are, the more laws you're permitted to break when it comes to like romantic pursuits. But this is the part you have to suspend your disbelief for. Every romantic comedy involves a thing that's not, <laughs> not great. Like a thing that would not like Sleepless in Seattle. She literally stalks him. And that's one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> and you just, you cast a charming enough person and somehow you're still rooting for that like toxic. This behavior. is tough. This is, this is, uh, this is something that, again, I was, I was in uh, Punta Cana for my sister's wedding uh, last week and we were there for about uh, uh, seven days or so. Um, and you know, what, what do weddings bring up? Lots of feelings of love and romance and relationships it brings about conversations about that because it's just the it's in the air when you're at a wedding right and so all those things are there um and and i had a conversation with my uncle about this uh, about this idea of like pursuing somebody that you like right and this idea of like where is this line of like because I, I am a person that's a little bit like Jane in a lot of ways in that. Oh, my. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Everything. It's okay. It should be the only one. Don't worry about it. It's all right. Uh, that's I'm the sound like, that this is important. Yeah, it is. To say. <laughs> Every time Ricky shares, an angel gets its wing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, um, yeah, in that. I I might pine after somebody. I might I I I don't I feel really uncomfortable encroaching on somebody and being like, hey, this is how I feel about you. <laughs> you know, it makes me feel really uncomfortable to do that. Even even if it's like, I tend to, I'm. Seth has criticized me for this. I don't necessarily get like that initial like at first sight attraction to somebody where I'd be like like go and talk to somebody in a bar that I've never met before. And like, cause I'm like attracted to them in that way. Like that's like not my vibe necessarily. Um, my attractions usually come from people I know for a very long, you know, long time and develop attraction over time. And so like that like base relationship tends to be harder to breach in that it's more risky to tell somebody that you like them when your base relationship has been, we're friends or we're coworkers Right, we've established this relationship, and now you're trying to like breach that. For me, it makes me feel really uncomfortable that I'm intruding on somebody. Right, I think uh, to bring it back to the movie really quick, I think the way that their little like device for making him seem less creepy is to be like, well, he's a reporter working on right. a story, so him like pursuing her isn't, you know, crossing a romantic boundary. It's mm -hmm. a professional thing, and I think that's how they try to cheat it a little bit, mm -hmm. which is 
controversial. Um, but for what you're saying, I think that that is a very interesting, I think there is definitely a way to do it. And, um, like you strike me as somebody who's pretty, like, we're just getting to know each other, but you Mm -hmm. strike me as somebody who's pretty sensitive to other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you like almost definitely already do this, but I think the way that you just have to be like, Hey, no pressure at all. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling these things. If you need to like step back or put up a boundary or whatever, that's, I understand. I think there's a way to have enough faith in the other person respecting your feelings and you. (laughs) Seth just just did a big head shake. No. I've been in in both ends of those situations. Mm -hmm. And I, I, in both cases still am friends with, or in these cases still am friends with these people because they were respectful enough to be like, Hey, no pressure at all. And in some cases, that person had to take a step back and be like, I need to like separate myself from this relationship for a minute to recalibrate. Cause that's if that, you know, if you don't feel the same way, I just need to reset. And we did, and it was fine. Um, I just, I feel like there's, there's a way to do it that is respectful. Right. And uh, you have to go for what you want and how you uh, have to speak, how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like there, you, there, there's a, but there is a boundary. There is for sure. Cause no one wants you to like not express how you feel mm. in like a, a nice way. Um, <laughs> Um, but also I think, no, I I disagree with, I even disagree with that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. You guys are like, you guys are like the angel and the devil on my shoulder. If we're cracking cracking into this, let's, I mean, let's crack into it, man. That's what we're uh, here to do. Uh, I, I, this is probably, I mean, I hate rom-coms, like I said, because I just think they're, they're totally unbelievable. Like I just don't buy them um because never in real life have i seen something work like this like work like in a romantic like an actual romantic sense and and you can like come up with a story that makes it romantic after the fact i think but the moment to moment interaction it just either it just either happens or it doesn't, you know. Like, okay, I need I need to like reset. Sorry, I need to get my thoughts together before I, I dive into this. I I also was an extreme romantic growing up. Like like much like Ricky, uh, I would pine and and I would put myself out there. I okay. mean, yeah, I was a big romantic gesture guy growing up. I would put yeah. myself out there. Um, and I was rejected time after time, like, uh, and so I think there is it, 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 it re- like, so when you're saying you should put yourself out there, when you're saying that you should, you know, say no one doesn't like to hear your feelings. I totally disagree. Like, <laughs> like, 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 if, 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 if a girl is not interested in you, she doesn't want to hear your feelings. Okay. <laughs> well, no, what do you, no, don't hold back. What do you, what do you feel about that? Megan? Well, I guess if a girl's, if, if like Ricky, what you're saying is like, if you're friends with somebody or have a, a relationship with them already, it's not that. She probably doesn't. I wish well, she might have a hint. Like she might have an idea. I'm obvious. They're there. She knows. Um, she knows. <laughs> but don't you know, say it. I just think 
I just think if everyone's, a, you know, a, a grown up and and kind and empathetic, I think everyone who is that way would want you to express those feelings. Maybe not want you, but would understand if you express those feelings, and then were respectful with whatever their response was. I think I I, I mean I would prefer that. And I know a lot of my friends would too, for someone to just be like, Hey, I'm feeling this way. Not that I want you to unload all of your emotional baggage on me and every feeling you always feel. But if it's something that there's just a respectful way to do it. And I think it's healthier for both of you to put that out there, ask for what you want. But then if the other person doesn't want it, respect that. Find a, a find a romantic comedy writer and get her to write you a speech. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I just mean like like that if you're if so imagine this i'm sorry i'm getting a little like no do it let it let it go there imagine this imagine scenario you've created megan like imagine this so some guy who has been pining after you for years for years approaches you and tries to tell you how they feel they are yes. not going to sound anything like you just said like they are going to be bumbling and probably throwing up almost throwing up before they tell you how they feel like that's okay <laughs> like but that's that's what i'm saying like you gave it like i totally agree with you on paper like i totally agree with you on paper but that's a logical argument for a emotional interaction and that's not how people work I, I just don't think that's how people work i i don't know i do, i don't think it's that logical to just to want someone to i don't expect like no you're re, you're you're i think your breakdown of how it should go is very logical uh -huh. but i don't think the actual interaction will be anything like that i i like even if you are even if you are Right, uh, uh, you the guy is not going to be like I. But in both, I guess what I'm saying is, and I've I've had like proof that this this works where you're both respecting each other's feelings. Okay. Like if I were to say to somebody, "Hey, I have feelings for you," they're respecting my feelings by holding space for that. So this is a lot of therapy coming out, and then. <laughs> and then when they say back to me, that's like flattering or whatever, but I don't feel that way. Then I have to do the same thing that they did for me and, and just be like, okay. And then whatever boundaries I have to draw up or like rules I have to put in place for myself to be okay after that, that's, that's on me. Um, and I don't think there needs to be any grand speech. I don't think that part's realistic. I just think there's a way to be like, and the older I get, the more I find it easier to navigate, not easier, but it just that makes more sense to me. As, I just don't think it's messy. As a as a as a certified card carrying emotional repressor over here. <laughs> um I you know, I've I've had crushes on quite a few wonderful, wonderful people. And some not so wonderful people, but um but you know, it in I don't know how this worked out for you, Seth, but like I would put myself out there. It takes a while. I'm not going to lie. It takes a long time for it to happen, but it eventually usually comes out. If it's something that's important enough to me, it comes out. And in my experience, and maybe this is me not having a full self-awareness of myself, to be fair, maybe they would say it played out differently. 
after the person was like, mm, I don't really have those same feelings. It's like, okay, let's take that. Let's bottle that up and be like, okay. And like walk away and cry alone <laughs> and be like, okay, with their decision to be like, you know, a lot of times it's like, okay, but we can still be friends. Or it's like, okay, maybe we should, you know, we should separate from each, you know, separate for a while. And like, my scenarios played out a lot like Megan's saying they she wouldn't send the play out, but that's because me being a person of like again, I don't want to intrude my emotions on anybody else. We'll take them, and even though they're there, be like, just bottle I, them I, up I, <laughs> and not impose them on that person. But like, that's not necessarily healthy either. Yeah, I think there's definitely um, a, a medium ground where you're not repressing your own feelings but you're also not putting them on somebody else. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should repress them. I think when you get the response and I, I, I understand what you're saying. This is like a very logical, like step-by-step talk through this process. And I am the opposite. Like you said, very uh, therapized way of looking it's at things. Therapized. I am also the opposite of what you're saying. I am so good at naming every feeling that I feel to my detriment. And for a long time thought that every feeling was like the truth and like, worth like all my time which is just something that I realized is not true mm-hmm. so I'm coming from a very different spot where I my feelings are always like right here mm-hmm. so I've gotten very um used to to processing them fairly quickly and articulating them for what and, and articulating them to people and articulating them and for some people like that's gotten me into trouble with like even like friends when we're having conversations and I'm like we should talk about this right now and they're like I need a second to process what I'm feeling and I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't understand. I've already done that. <laughs> <laughs> and the two seconds you were looking over there. So we need to talk about this right now. Um, and there's definitely a happy medium. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just different different ways of processing. It's tough. It, it, rom-coms bring out this conversation in people. Because <laughs> that's the big argument with rom-coms. If we're going to, like Seth, like Seth, if we're going to go there, we're going to go there with rom-coms in general. And this, how this movie in particular approaches this idea. It's how you define love. It's how you define what, how do not only how you define love, it's how you define finding love. Right. And it's, it's, I mean, as a kid, there's nothing, literally nothing I wanted more than to find my person. Like, Mm -hmm. like it was get married and then under that, like be a famous actor. So like, it was like my ultimate you're jane uh (laughs) and i had to let that go you know like and it's i have a partner now who i love but it's not like it didn't go down it didn't go down the way that i imagined it it would as a kid you know uh you know we met on an app and it worked but like like and i did pursue relationships that were feelings like initially very passionate feelings based emotions in the beginning. And then they blew up in my face immediately, you know? So like Sarah, for example, is like this happy medium of, of like, I have feelings for her. Yes. But also like we work together practically, you know? And so it's, I, I got burned really really bad uh in when i was in chicago and it kind of like affected the way i view romance and that is um honestly it's unfortunate for sarah like i feel i feel bad 
um, that because I that trauma still follows. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Like I like I know that that's something she wants more of in our relationship, and it's just it's complicated. I mean, uh, like I want to be able to give it too, you know, um, but it's not easy because of. Like I, okay, you, we, I mean, Megan, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm extremely emotionally intuitive person. Like I read people really, really well. Would you agree with that, Ricky? Can we at least? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and so I had a situation in Chicago where I fell in love with my boss. Um, I worked at Apple and uh, my boss was my age. Um, and there were like, the only way I know to describe it was when we were around each other, I felt totally naked. Like I could not hide from this person. There was something about being around her that was like nothing I'd ever, like she got past my wall, like, and I was like, whoa, and I got past hers. And so like. My brain, being raised in a Western Christian culture, was like, this has to be love. Like, I've never felt anything like this before. This has to be love. And uh, it, it, did not, it did not go well. Uh, basically, I... So... It got out that I had a crush on her. Um, and immediately I was reprimanded at my job for having feelings. I had not done anything. Like I didn't, I didn't like harass her or anything like that. Um, the complaint was staring or something, you know, um, I, I, I'm sorry. This is a long story. I apologize. Uh, but so, and then literally, literally right after, cause she was my mentor manager, right? So she was like the person that like was like my guidance counselor at Apple. And I got switched mentor managers immediately once it found, they found out I had a crush on her. And I was like, why is this happening to me? Like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, why am I being reprimanded? And no joke, her, one of her good friends told me a story about how one time he, missed, he kissed a girl in high school and then all of her boyfriends beat him up. As in all, all of her friends' boyfriends oh, okay, okay. for kissing her. Uh -huh. So it became this allegory for my situation, which was, I was being made an example of, I didn't really do anything wrong, but mm -hmm. they had to make an example of me because I had feelings for a superior. They had to set a precedent. They had to set a precedent. Yeah. So then I didn't know what to be like at work. You know, like how do I be around this person who literally sees me like transparently and I see transparently and I can't, so she was in a relationship that 
that is a factor. Um, and so anyways, long story short, uh, I put my two weeks notice in and I tell her I love her. And she was like, you don't know what love is. And I was like, I disagree with you. And then I cried in the parking lot and my best friend's shoulder. And yeah, so it sucked. Uh, they, you know, they tried to like cover their tracks and like extend my insurance to give me like therapy to deal with the situation. And like, it was just, it was just a really shitty scenario for me. Um, and that, that situation I would say has jaded my trust in what love is in terms of like that initial romantic connection. You can't, I, I don't, I can't trust it. Like, like I used to. And like, and so like the difference was with Sarah, like I had time, I had like several weeks of communication without even seeing her face. And then it was like, it was more like, yes, I was attracted to her, but it was more deliberate because I was choosing to pursue the relationship as opposed to being so overwhelmed with the feeling of this is the person. Does that make sense? So like the, the part in this movie where they kiss, it makes me so angry because it's like, Are? no, um, when the two, uh, when Jane and, uh, oh, George and George kiss, oh, wow, okay. they're like, Oh, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. Well, when you know, you know, you know, like there's this, like, that's the, that's the like sub thesis. That's the, there should, yeah. that's the sub thesis that pisses me off. It's like, Oh, when you know, you know, no, the truth yeah. is you never know. And you just make the choice to be with someone. That's very true. I don't know. I, I... I think there are elements of that that are like, like we always talk about in the show. There's a little bit of balance of everything. Like life is a spectrum, and it f- leans one way and it leads the other way at any given moment. I think sometimes you, I think that that part of that of that mo- this movie where where Jane and George kiss is like this idea of like, can you force chemistry? Can you force feelings? Mm-hmm. And I think that part is like, not like, yeah, sure. They, they like chalk it up to like, oh, you know, I guess we're not in love. And it's like, well, love develops, love develops over time. Attraction is, is, is an, an initial thing. Like, but in chemistry, in chemistry. Right. And so I think they're, what they're really saying is, Hey, we just don't have a, this, a spark here. Like we can appreciate each other and like each other very much, but there's not a romantic spark here, you know? And like, I think you can push through the fact that you may not have a spark with somebody initially and learn and, or like eventually develop. I mean, like I said, that's kind of how I operate. Not that I, when I first meet somebody, my first thought isn't like, Oh, I'm so attracted to that person. And like, there's a a chemistry spark between us. A lot of times for me, it's like, I will realize I'm have a crush on somebody later (laughs) where it's like, Oh shoot. I think I like that person. Um, And it comes up on me suddenly so like i i understand like oh like just because you don't have a spark with somebody right away doesn't mean like feelings can't develop over time so that's fa- that's a fair point seth of like oh i guess you know when you know you know it's like no you could like if you spent more time with that person you could 
develop feelings for them and they could develop really strong emotional feelings for you. But the difference I think with George and Jane is they do have known each other for a very long time. They do know each other very, yeah. very well. And so yeah. that chemistry, they have chemistry as friends. They And so like this idea of like a spark probably would have shown by now after years, after years of knowing each other. And there is none. And it's like, and it's okay to be like, you know what? Like we like each other, but we just don't have those feelings for each other. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. And I think, I think what he, George is saying is like, well, you know, when you feel it, you, you feel it. And right now we don't feel it. We're not feeling it. We can't force it. You can't force it. You can't force to love somebody in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying is that I think about like the danger of that, like just that little, like you should like feel, feel it immediately. Fireworks moment right away. Yeah. Which maybe isn't always that doesn't that doesn't indicate love. It indicates you know I don't know chemistry or or lust or whatever. Um, and I understand why that can be dangerous because it can confuse how you pursue your romantic relationships and how you feel in them. Um, I've never met someone and been like this is it. Um, but for a while, because I watched so many of these movies growing up, I was like that's how I should feel. I should meet somebody and know right away that this is my person. My first person is going to be my person forever. And it just took like a lot of like. Like sitting with myself and, you know, mistakes and relationships and and all of that to kind of come to where I am now, which is in a similar place where I'm like, it takes, I think it takes a mix of the two. There's an initial spark, there's a chemistry, there's an attraction, but there's also uh, commonalities and a willingness to work on the same things and work the same amount on the relationship. And it's like a mix of head and heart. And I think some of these movies, I don't think this movie does it because I agree with you, Ricky, but I think some of these movies kind of are like, it's all heart and that's all you need. And that's just not true. Yeah. And, and from my personal, so Seth, you shared a very personal experience that you've had that we all have these experiences of love is love and romantic love is such an essential part of the human experience. Um, And, and I think for us, we're all around the same age. We grew up in the era of like the rom-com, those the 90s and the early 2000s were like our formative years where rom-coms, especially rom-coms of this style, were huge. They were some of the biggest movies ever made at, at those times. And so we, our perception of what love is is colored by the media that we see. Like, you know, the whole whole point of this show is <laughs> is how we ref- our, our lives are – become reflected in the, our media it would then reflect back on us creating this infinite reflection of of life and for me for in my personal life i'm i fall more towards seth in that i've and and megan you said the same thing where i've looked at my life and been like oh like this is that moment and with that person where like the thing happens and like this is like this where the story begins right i personally thought would think that way and have been hurt and disappointed many, many times because of thinking in that way. So in my life and in my life experience, I I fall more towards Seth where it's like life doesn't happen that way. However, I will say some people do get things like that, you know, like, like, you know, love life and love is a spectrum with there's like one side where it does not happen like that ever. There's the other side where it sometimes it does. And like, and maybe I'm feeling this way because I just came back from a wedding and my sister and her her husband's story is a, is a little bit not like a super super romantic but it was like we were we all went to college at the same at the same time 
she was in med school. I was I, me and her husband were seniors, and me and my sister are super close, and so we would go out to dinner every you know a couple times a week, and we would go to this one restaurant a lot, and that's where he worked, and he had seen us come in a handful of times, and he saw her, and he's like, "That woman is beautiful. I need to say something." And so one day we were there, and uh, one of the, our server came over and was like, "Our food runner wants to buy you a dessert." And so he he came over and he delivered this dessert and he started chatting with my sister and then they started talking. Then they went on a date a few weeks later and now they've been together almost 10 years. So like, you know, and they've had their ups and downs and they've had this and that, but like it, it was that moment of like, he just went, he did the thing. He saw her from afar. He's like, okay, like I, I I'm going to make a move. He did. And it worked and it worked out, you know? Yeah. Like it, it was that initial, I don't even know this person, but I'm going to, I'm just going to, could have put myself out there. And so it does happen sometimes. And like you said, like you can zhuzh it up and make it more romantic than it is. And that, you know, that obviously at a wedding, that's what you do. But like, truthfully, that was a shot in the dark that he took that, you know, he didn't know her. I didn't, I didn't know him. You know, we, weirdly enough, there were some like connections where like Jenna was going to, med school with his sister they're in the same class in med school so that was kind of interesting and he actually was friends with people i was friends with but we had never met um so like there were weird connections there but truthfully he didn't know her she didn't know him and that's it just happened it's weird it happens but it's it's strange i think it's acknowledging again both sides of it where i it's really sweet to like these movies are about the beginning of these things usually Mm -hmm. and if we got into the relationship itself it wouldn't be a romantic comedy anymore it would be a, a, drama. a drama it would be a, a romantic drama because that's what life is so these movies aren't i don't think that's their purpose to like give you a cross-section of a real relationship i think they're they're definitely escapism they're definitely fantasy but they're also like nice little they're comforting and they're hopeful and they're good reminders of that and also i think to what you were saying you can go back and kind of rewrite your story and make it more romantic. And if you're, you know, if you've consumed all of this content your whole life, it's much easier to do that and view every interaction and every bark as like this magical thing. Whereas if you're like kind of more pragmatic about it, maybe you just don't naturally, or maybe you naturally do. And you're just like, you know, protecting yourself by making yourself a little more grounded, which is fair. Um, But I also come from like my, a lot of my family, have very cute stories of how they met their significant other. Like my grandma and grandpa, um, they met when he showed up to her sorority house to pick up a different girl for a date. And that girl was taking so long to get ready that he like saw my grandma come down the stairs and was like, actually you, do you want to go? Cause I'm, I'm bored. And then they just like, that was it. And then they had, you know, three kids and 10 grandchildren. And my parents, even though they're not still together, they have a very cute, um, cute, like, story of how they first met so I think it's I'm just naturally inclined to be romantic about that particular part of a relationship my father picked up my mother in a cowboy hat and cap guns at her <laughs> at her door and <laughs> took her to a Kenny Kenny Rogers concert <laughs> so like I grew up I grew up with romanticism instilled in me yeah and so i i guess i have this like resentment about it Mm -hmm. because it like life didn't work that way for me 
are your and you don't have to answer but are both of you are your parents still together oh yeah yeah both of you yeah mine are not mm-hmm. um and i'm a i've always been so romantic and i just wonder if my if i was kind of like well leaning really far in because i didn't have any other examples of no that, i mean other than grandma no, that's, grandma. that's fair so my parents story is really interesting in that they're still together but like opposite of seth like my dad specifically is not super so my family in general was my i i officiated my sister's wedding and one of the stipulations of like my like speech was like don't get too overly sentimental and sappy like that's not our vibe like that's my family for on, on a large scale my dad specifically is not a very sappy emotional sentimental person uh, or at least he doesn't express that He's not that he doesn't feel that way, but he he's not good at expressing those feelings in that way. Um, so, m- growing up, it was like those. I was the sensitive one in the family because I I just am. I'm the more emotional. I'm the more sweet. I'm the more empathetic. That's just who I am in the family. I'm more like my mom. My mom's very much like that. But my dad uh, went to my mom's wedding as a guest. My mom, when they met, my dad was a, a doctor. My mom was a nurse at the same hospital. My mom was engaged when they met to a different person. And so my dad and my mom were, were friends because they were coworkers. They were good friends. And my dad went to my mom's first wedding as a guest. Obviously, that marriage didn't work out. <laughs> but And then my mom and my dad got together. And a, a, a couple years ago, I was pining after this girl. Uh, who was in a relationship, but clearly me and her had had chemistry of some kind, um, and it was really hard to deny. Seth's shaking his head again. Seth, you're really bad at hiding your what you're thinking on the inside. <laughs> no, I just I was thinking of that joke I made. Oh, I know this story. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> um, but anyway, I thought me and this girl had chemistry, and but she was with somebody when I met her. I didn't when I developed a crush. I didn't know she had the boyfriend. Um, so then I was kind of like stuck with these feelings and hurt, but like there was a, a chemistry, but like, you know, I asked my dad cause my dad went through the same thing. It's like, I asked my dad, like, at what point did you know that you like loved mom? Right. Like at what point were you like that woman who's with somebody else? I'm in love with that person. Um, and well, the first thing he said was none of your, none of your business. <laughs> and then when I, I and, <laughs> And then, and then when I pushed him a little bit more, he is like immediately. He's like, love. He's like, and I've never heard my dad say that. He's like, love at first sight, genuinely. And he's, I was like, that's really weird for him to say because he wouldn't say that. <laughs> that's fine. It's probably bullshit. I don't believe him necessarily. But like, you know what I mean? Like, or at least at the very least, he. What I think he's saying there is like, he probably had feelings for her bef- before she was divorced. You know, probably early on when she was still engaged. She probably went to that wedding in love with her, most likely. You know what I mean? Um, and this is coming from a man that had been divorced three times before. <laughs> before that point. Almost kind of quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so he falls in love very quickly. He's getting married. He's gotten married. This The fourth one stuck. <laughs> um, yeah. They've been together for over 30 years now. So, um, But, you know, it's it's – like you said, it's like a cute little – story depending on whose perspective you're looking at but like like my dad being this doctor who's in love with this nurse who's engaged to somebody that's not right for her and they and he pines he goes to their wedding but then they they the 
they get divorced and then they get together and now they've been together 30 years with three kids together. Yeah. What that kid just got married this weekend. Like, you know, it's hard not to take those things and make them anecdotal yeah. and, and, and use them as a litmus for, for your life. As Seth said, like growing up, like making romantic that your parents' romantic story, the litmus test for your, your life and the romance that you're looking for and the love that you're looking for. And I think that's where the danger is is you can't, you can't let other people's love stories define your love story. And, and that's where like the danger of like romantic comedies comes in is people think that that those are their stories. It's like, those are just stories and anybody else's anecdotal life, love story, even in real life, those are their stories. You cannot take other people's stories. Can't make yours. You can't make yours theirs. Exactly. You can't. Every but everyone is unique. Every love story is unique. And also, I like your story, your parents' story, because that's also a really good um, reminder of how sometimes you just have to let things lie for a minute and just be. Yeah, you have to wait. Yeah, and kind of trust that whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Um, which is a big. We don't know how long they waited. <laughs> We speculate. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way. Yeah. They won't ever tell. <laughs> but, but you know, like you said, like it, it – it's sometimes love stories are messy. They know? almost always and, are. And, and when you're going through it, it feels like this is nothing like a, a romantic comedy because – because it hurts when you're in it. And the, I think from our perspective of watching a movie that's a, that's labeled a romantic comedy, we're looking at it on as a whole of like start to finish, where does it start and begin? But w- if we were in the moment as those characters, it would be hell. Right. It would be a horrible, horrible experience going through it in that way. Like they, they go through the ringer emotionally in these movies. And while we are looking at it as a romantic comedy and so we know it's all going to work out in the end, so it kind of like net zeros itself. Uh, if if you were to experience a romantic comedy from within it, it would suck. Yeah. <laughs> it would not be good. A good the time. When you're starting to watch a romantic comedy because you know what you're getting. Exactly. That's why they're comforting. Exactly. Exactly. You know going in, like it's all going to be okay. But like if you were yeah. actually experiencing it, you would not be – it would not be a fun experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Seth, maybe you're in the middle of your romantic comedy and you don't even know it yet because you haven't gotten to the end. Yeah. I'm sure we'll watch more romantic comedies. We will. (laughs) We will. How did you know? That's one of the areas we have not watched as many. (laughs) Megan's going to bring all the romantic comedies. Every three weeks, it's going to be a romantic comedy. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna try to mix it up a little. No, bit, of course, of course. I'll bring the romantic comedies. I'm only guys for the rest of this year. I'm only doing romantic comedies. <laughs> Perfect, great. <laughs> Every three weeks, Seth, be prepared. Oh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Seth, you will learn to like them. God damn it. Yeah, maybe it'll like help with the cynicism yeah. a little bit. Find them charming. It might. He might double down. He's sometimes yeah. he's a little. Sometimes he's a little stubborn. Like an origin story. <laughs> Just dig his heels and be like, "Love sucks." <laughs> No, I love love. I love my partner. I'm just saying I think the Western Christian model for what love is in our society is flawed. Okay, so we'll watch Bollywood rom-coms instead. I just mean like Oh yeah. I I I will I will finish that thesis another time. But Okay. Yes. That's fair. Honestly, I like the conversation we had today. I thought it was very fun. Yeah, me too. 
Awesome. Everybody, good conversation. I think that's yeah. a good place to end uh, for today. Yes, Rob, let's give ourselves a round of applause and, and welcome one yes. more time, Megan, to the show. Yay. It's clearly oh. going to be good. Nora, it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Indoor plumbing, it's going to be big. Uh, so that is the end of our conversation for 27 dresses today for all of our listeners out there tell us what you think of 27 dresses what this film brought up for you your ideas of love and are you out there are you a people pleaser are you putting other people first constantly don't forget to put yourself first sometimes um, because it's important to also care for yourself I'm telling I'm talking to myself right now (laughs) Uh, so thank you everybody please get involved with the conversation if you would like to Uh, It is time to talk about what is next. And so, as our new co-host, it is your turn to pick the movie that we will do next. The debut pick. Yes, Megan's debut pick. This will live forever in infamy as the first movie you've chosen for us as a a permanent host. So, so it's important. (laughs) What movie are we going to be watching together next week? I would love to watch Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise. Classic love story. <laughs> it is, actually. Yeah. So, yes, we will be watching 1991's Thelma and Louise. If you... Seth... I, 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 it's where Brad Pitt it made his it debut, is. I think. Brad yeah, Pitt think went he's... to my alma mater. Yeah. Yeah. People, people there have stuff to say about him. <laughs> anyway, so we will be watching Thelma and Louise. For anybody out there watching Thelma and Louise with us, you can check it out on Amazon Prime, Philo, Sling TV, and the Roku channel if you have a subscription to those uh, those uh, platforms. And you can rent it on Vudu, Google Play Movies, and Apple TV. And it also looks like with a YouTube uh, primetime subscription as well. So again, that is going to be 1991's Thelma and Louise. Uh, I'm very excited. I haven't watched Thelma and Louise in a long, long time. Good choice. Have you guys both seen it? I have, right? I have never seen it, so I'm stoked. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's one of my all-time favorites. Awesome. Very fun choice. So, yes, Thelma and Louise. Uh, Seth, where can people find you uh, if they're looking for you? Yeah, you can find me at the Birdie Word on Twitter. That's T-H-E-B-I-R-D-Y-W-O-R-D. You can find me at Seth Adam Crow on Instagram. That's S E T H A D A M C R O W E. And my website, SethCrow.com. All right. Now, uh, Megan, where can people find you? Um, I just have Instagram, uh, Megan underscore Jane 61, M E A G H A N. All right. Um, all I got. All right. And I am Ricardo Boy Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Boy Diaz on Instagram and TikTok. And you can find this show, the What's It About Film Podcast, on Twitter at WeaPodWhat, on Instagram at What's It About Podcast, and on TikTok at What's It About Pod. Uh, we post new episodes every Friday morning, early in the morning, so you guys can get them on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and basically wherever you find podcasts, you can find us there. Thank you both so much for being here today, and we will all see you next time. Bye. Adios.